This is St. Peter and Volo podcast, and I'm Father Nathan. And today I have with me... Elizabeth Klebositz. Elizabeth Klebositz, who is how many years old? Eight years old. Eight years old. And Elizabeth's dad... Eric Klebositz. Yes, and so we who's are... older than eight years old. Who's <laughs> older than eight years old, that's right. I, too, am older than eight years old. Um, so we have one eight-year-old and two other-year-olds. And uh, we're here today talking about... We're talking about uh, whatever we want to talk about. But specifically, we want to talk about the Eucharist, right? Yes. That's Elizabeth. I got a call that Elizabeth has something to say about the Eucharist. So we're going to ask her about that. Um, but first, let's find out, Elizabeth, a, a little bit about Elizabeth. Uh, what is your involvement here at St. Peter Parish? I do the children's choir. Mm-hmm. I do a play and pray. Mm-hmm. What's play and pray? A play and pray is like where you meet friends, like you get to have friends, and you get to have time to play there. The teacher or whoever it is, the moms, mm-hmm. make up games for you to play, and then you go over it and have a little time in the church. Nice, nice. Okay, what else? We do a family holy hour. Nice. And besides church activities, I do ballet. Oh, ballet, nice. Nice. How long have you been doing ballet? Well, I've switched from one to another, but I'm just going to start from the beginning. I've been doing ballet for about four years. Four years. Okay, that's pretty good. So you're way past first, second, third position. Well... Do you know that? There's like a little mini thingy, and then one, and then two. I'm going to go be going into three in the fall. Okay, great. I just remember my my uh, sisters took ballet... And all I remember is the first position where you put your feet together in one way and second. First, second, third. Yeah, fourth. you got all that. So what else What else do you do? We do things like go to Mass or watch the Mass. Yeah, you go to Mass every day. Yes. I mean, you did. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> um so, yeah, I, I see you here every day, uh, pretty much, uh, for weekday Masses, right? And yes. the Sunday Masses. And then uh, now that we can't have public Masses, what are you doing? We are watching the St. John Cantus Mass online. Mm-hmm. And for fun, we get dressed up to do it. Nice. Like, dressed up like how we would go to church. Oh, great. Not, you don't dress up like... No, not dress up like, like animals. Or... No. <laughs> Yeah, that would be. <laughs> that's great. So, um, that's great. So, watching the St. John Cantus Mass. And any thoughts about St. John Cantus Mass? What's it like? What's it like watching the Mass of St. John Cantus? It's like, it's fun, but at the consecration, it's sad. Why? Because you're not able to receive Jesus, because you're not actually there. Right, right. So then how do we unite ourselves to that Mass? You do the... Um, You've got it. Yeah. You're thinking the about it. I can see it. <laughs> the Spirit. spiritual communion. That's right. Which they actually post on the Mass for you so that you can see it. Like a little... It looks like a scroll that comes up and it like it looks like it's been opened. And then it shows the spiritual communion on it. 
Perfect. That's nice. That's nice. So we want to talk about the Eucharist. Um, you, I remember once you told me the story of the patroness of receiving the Eucharist or the patroness of First Communion or... Patroness of the First Communicants. Aha. Uh-huh. And who is that? Blessed Imelda. Blessed. And what's her story? Why is she the patroness of First Communicants? I'll tell you the story and explain afterwards. <laughs> so, she was born in, I don't know where. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere, yes. Somewhere. Definitely somewhere. Definitely somewhere. Um, and once she was old enough, she would help her mom bring food to the poor. And one day when she was helping her mom bring food to the poor, she asked why she had that they had to feed the poor instead of Jesus just bringing food down for them. And her mother explained that Jesus did that through the Eucharist, but it was good for them to do it. It's one of the corporal spiritual works of mercy. What's what's that? To, to, feed, to feed the hungry. To feed the hungry, that's a corporal work of mercy. Yeah, absolutely. And so, it was just to clarify, so Jesus... He fed them in the Eucharist. Yes. But they were feeding them. Also, yes. Also, with good. food. Good, perfect. And later, then, when she was nine, which was not unusual mm-hmm. for them to, she decided to become a nun. It's not unusual at that age to become a nun or be married. Wow. So she became a nun and she helped with everything thing she could. But she could not receive communion like the other sisters. She kept asking and wanting to, though, because she actually knew um, that it was really Jesus. But in that time, you were supposed to be 14 before you could receive. But when she was 11, she wanted to receive. And so she went up to the priest. His name was Father Ven. Chenzo, mm-hmm. and so she asked him, may I please receive my first communion this night? And he said, no, my daughter, not yet. So then later she would keep doing what she usually did, but then later one day when a sister was staying behind to clean up the church and Blessed Imelda, not Blessed then, but Blessed Imelda was praying, our Lord came out of the tabernacle and came and floated above her head. And in was, what way? In what way? Like the like, tabernacle like, opened, I think, and, and he just came out? As a host? As a host. As a host. Yes. Yeah. And as so the host. host sort of flew or floated out yeah, of like the tabernacle? Floated, floated out of the tabernacle right above her head. Uh-huh. And then it, the whole church was glowing and there was a soft sound. So the sister turned around and she looked and... She ran to get the priest. The priest, with the whole community at his heels, came. And he truly knew that our Lord wanted her to be able to receive communion. And so he gave her communion. So because he came there and he saw the host. uh, He saw the host. Floating above her head. Floating above her head. It just like was sitting in the air, like it had a little pillow underneath it, sort of. You couldn't see the pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so this is he came in to and he to came, see, and then okay. And then he gave communion to her, which our Lord had um, consecrated Himself. And then she prayed after that, 
And so the mother of the, not of Blessed Amelda, but well, of Mother Superior. Mother Superior, yeah, right. yes. Yeah. Leaded everybody out and said, leave her alone for a while with God in her heart. So then she was praying, and when it was time for dinner, um, two of the sisters came to get her, and they were like, bless, I mean, Sister Amelda. Mother wants you to come for dinner. And she didn't answer. It was looked like she was just praying and she didn't hear them. Mm-hmm. So then they tapped her shoulder. She collapsed, but her heart went right up to heaven. And that's the story. Wow. She was 11 then. Wow. That's amazing. So that was her first communion? Yes. And then her heart went up to be with our Lord? Yes. That is a beautiful story. That's really beautiful. So, Blessed Imelda, uh, who was, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she was an orphan? No. Not an orphan? Or she she was at a boarding school? I don't think so. Because I don't think she would have been a sister. We can look this up. Maybe someone else can look this up for us. I remember listening to a story from Holy Heroes. I think I'm taking it off from that. Sure. Right. (laughs) That's beautiful. Well, very well, well told story. You told me that story before you received your first communion. Yes. I remember it was under the scaffolding when they right. were building the bell tower. That's right. Those times. <laughs> we made it through those times. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember when I was in the choir, it was so hard to get single file up the stairs because the scaffolding was in the stairway. Right. <laughs> before we closed the choir loft altogether later, and then we couldn't have a choir for like a couple months. Yeah, I remember that. I don't like that. <laughs> no. I, neither did I. But the choir loft is open. Yes. We but actually the were closed. just singing. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. But anyway, it'll be open again. Yeah. So, what, tell me about your first communion. Well, my first communion was very, I don't know a word to describe it, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And... We had a whole First Communion class. There was about, I don't know, 15 to 20 people in it, counting me. Mm-hmm. And so we all received our First Communion, and we came back. We were all dressed. Do you have a, you have a white dress and Yes, all we that? had a white dress and veil. Actually, mine was homemade. Nice. Did you make it, or did your mother make it? My mother or made did it. Your father I helped make her. It? My mother made it. I helped <laughs> her. And then um, Mrs. Roska made my veil. Nice. She which makes... I still have. You still have? You yes. haven't lost it? No, I have oh, not no. lost it. That's very good. Because <laughs> sometimes people lose their veils. We find them in the church. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. Especially, you know, they're very nice veils. But anyway, I mean, you didn't. You haven't lost yours. No, I no. have not lost any of my veils. Oh, that's great. So, it was a beautiful day. Yes. You were I, with your class. Yes, I was with my class. And after communion... The mask went on as usual, mm-hmm. and then I, as a surprise, after I had had my first communion, I wasn't, I was, like, paying attention to what was happening, like, I was receiving Jesus, but I looked to the side at a moment, and I saw my um, godmother come by. She said that she had to go to another first communion that day, so she was probably not going to be able to come, but oh. I was surprised to see her just walking by, going up to communion. I was like, 
<laughs> I didn't say it, but I wanted to say it. Oh, so and she then made I, it after all. Yes, and then I had lots of pictures after my first communion, and then I had a first communion party with one of my best friends, Sophia Brene, and that was my first communion day. That's wonderful. So what is the Eucharist? Why is it important? The Eucharist is Jesus' body or his blood. And that is why it's so important because you are actually receiving him into your soul. And one fact about the Eucharist is that he stays in your soul for 15 minutes after you receive him. Close, close. Remains as long as the, the Eucharist has the appearance of bread, it has the physical sacramental presence of Christ in the Eucharist. He stays in your soul. He continues to stay in your soul well, yeah. long mm. after. Yes. So he doesn't, he doesn't like go. Like leave. He doesn't leave. Uh, I think I worded that the, wrong. No, yeah, sure. I, I think I see what you're saying. So the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ present in the Eucharist under the appearance of bread. When we consume it, we know it takes about 15 minutes for it to break down in our body. That's why we know. That's why we say that. Um, but he never leaves our soul. No, he doesn't. And that's something that uh, people are thinking about in these times, that in a church where the sacraments are so important, right, our whole life is made up of sacraments and really receiving the the reality of being with the Eucharist, um, and we are, we are taken from it right now, right, because we, we cannot receive the Eucharist, yet... We have to remember that that sacramental grace remains with us unless unless we sin. The grace is there and it remains. So once you receive the Eucharist, it that grace endures in your soul for ever. Forever. Unless we do something to diminish that. And what sort of what would diminish that? Mortal sin. Right. Right. And even venial sin, right, will diminish it, make it less. Make it less, but then you go to confession and then you're all better. Right. But even a venial sin, if you have a venial sin and then you turn your heart back to God, you make uh, some act, make the sign of the cross, you use holy water, make the sign of the cross, you pray the Our Father, you say the Confiteor at Mass, right, the I Confess, um, say the Kyrie eleison, all of those things. Renew our heart back to Christ, and venial sins are washed away by that. But mortal sin must You have to go to confession. You gotta go to confession. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Anything else you would like to say about the Eucharist? Or anything for that matter? I think I'm gonna pick confession now. Confession, (laughs) yes. Tell me about confession. Well, confession is very exciting actually wow because then you feel all nice and clean in your soul and you are not it's like you just went to a doctor and you became unsick except it's in your soul Mm -hmm. and god is the doctor working through the priest right and on my first confession i was the first one in the confessional Mm -hmm. because right when the priest got in the confessional like i'm sitting here I jumped out of my seat and almost ran in the church to the <laughs> confessional. Because <laughs> I wanted to get there so fast. Yes, she ran. 
<laughs> Wonderful. How about any of the other sacraments? Well, you can't receive any sacraments without receiving baptism. That's right. It's the gateway to the sacraments. Because you're not part of God's family until you've had baptism. Correct. Absolutely. And then what comes after baptism? Baptism, in the old way, it would be confirmation. Mm -hmm. But the way I know it is baptism, confession, communion, confirmation, and holy orders, matrimony, and all those other ones. <laughs> right. No, that's very, very well said. Yeah, it was. So the it is baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist is the the sacraments of initiation. But as we're celebrated, as they are uh, in the United States for the last hundred years, it's been baptism, and then confession, and then Eucharist, and you receive you go to confession before the Eucharist because it's tied to the Eucharist to receiving the Eucharist in a state of grace. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Wow. You have you have been taught well. Where did you learn all this? I learned this from the Baltimore Catechism, also from my mother, which teaches me homeschool. And so you're homeschooled, so then what do you... You're still homeschooled. Yes. Right? So that hasn't changed at all since all of this stay-at-home order. No, it hasn't. <laughs> right. Uh, do you feel it's kind of unfair that other people have ha get to skip school and you Not get really. to stay at home and remain in school? Not really, because they have to do school on their computer. That's right. It's like a Zoom school. A Zoom school. <laughs> I think feel like the whole world's on Zoom right now. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, it, it's wonderful to be at home and to continue going to school. Tell me what you're learning. Well, right now, I actually got into the beginning of fourth grade. I got way past in religion. Wow. So now we're just going over the review questions in religion and reading some Bible stories. Nice. And we're going through, like, the Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory Be, the Act of Contrition is mm -hmm. what we're going to be doing next. Okay. Do you only study religion? No. I actually have a lot of subjects. Some of them we go off and on on, but I'm mm -hmm. going to just tell you the ones that we usually almost always do. Mm -hmm. um, we do religion, voyages in English, English, mm -hmm. primary language, and then my Latin and Greek. And we do history, health, science, Spanish, and then we get to do art and sewing as two of the extra things. Wow. So you're doing English? Spanish, Latin, and Greek? Yes. Latin and Greek are combined into one box. Okay, sure. Because... Because <laughs> they're little, like, flashcard thingies. Okay. Hey, that's that's really excellent. Would you like to share about the... Uh, is it the book Story of the World? Story of the World, which is my history. Okay. It's like we learn about lots of things in history. It's like a history book, except that it's a Christian history book. Right. Is there another kind of history? <laughs> well, religion is technically the history of the church. Sure. Someone gave me this really good definition of history. It is history since Christ is the story of the incarnation becoming present throughout the world everywhere. So it is God making himself known in all of human 
activity. Now, there's a lot of things that are that you say, well, how is that related to God? But it is always God at work in history. Because he's making it happen. Because he's... He, he's having it happen. <laughs> sure. Uh, in a sense, he he permits it to happen. Um, and it, But at the same time, he provides through the free action of humans for his will to be done, which is a great mystery of the church, how God acts with our free will. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to hear all of these things. So uh, what are you doing these days? What else do we do today? We digged in the garden today, and we're setting up a... We, my dad pulled out two um, bushes so that we could have a bigger garden space. Oh, wow. Nice. And what are you going to grow? I don't really know yet, but we're probably... I know we're going to grow flowers. We're going to grow tomatoes. We're going to go basil and parsley and cilantro, I think is what my mom said we're doing. We definitely have cilantro. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we just had to cut back all of it because like, it grows almost over the whole garden. The oregano. Huh. Yeah. The oregano. The oregano. Yeah, we'll definitely have that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. Um, so, Eric. Yes, Father. Um, how, are, how, are thing, how have things changed for you in these, in these times? I've been able to spend so much time at home with family. It's... Um, it's been a blessing in a lot of ways, um, just trying to be able to appreciate uh, what we have, and obviously that starts first with um, our faith, and then being able to have um, the company of our family and being able to uh, grow closer. And it's always, to me, I, I never stop learning, <laughs> learning about... Um, learning more from uh, from my family, uh, learning more about my wife and my daughter and and uh, being able to share and spend special moments with them at this time has been uh, has been very uh, very it's been great it's it's really it's really been touching um, to be able to spend more time and be involved um, at home um, that's yeah wonderful. Well, thank you for thank you for coming. Well, thank you, Father. Yep, and thank you, Elizabeth. You're welcome. Thank you. I look forward to the time when we can see each other all at daily mass again, uh, and uh, and Sunday mass, and choir, and play and pray, and little flowers, and all the little things that happen around here. Um, so, but in the meantime, we'll keep praying. And like Blessed Imelda, we'll keep, we'll pray that we can receive the Eucharist. And, uh, and we know that God is always faithful to us. He will give us the grace that we need to get through, to do whatever he's calling us to do at each moment. So let's end with a prayer. Do we know the memorari? Remember, almost oh gracious. Sort of. Okay, let's do it. Remember, Remember most, most gracious Virgin Mary, that, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my Mother, 
To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Sacred Heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Roman Martyrology for the 13th day of March. At Rome, on the Appian Way, the martyrdom of the Tribune Blessed Quirinus, who had been baptized with all his household by Pope St. Alexander, when he was imprisoned in their house under Emperor Adrian, he was delivered to the Judge Aurelian, and because he persevered in the confession of his faith, his tongue was torn out. He was stretched on the rack, his hands and feet were cut off, and the sword completed his course of martyrdom. At Thessalonica, the birthdays of the holy martyrs Domninus, Victor, and their companions. At Constantinople, in the time of Constantius, the commemoration of many holy martyrs of the Catholic Communion, whom the heresiarch Macedonius put to death by unheard of kinds of torments. At Senlis, the death of St. Regulus, Bishop of Arles. At Orléans, in France, Bishop St. Pastor. At Syracuse, St. Zosimus, Bishop and Confessor. On Mount Sinai, Abbot St. John Climacus. At Equilaria, in Spain, the Confessor St. Peter Regalatus, Priest of the Order of Friars Minor. He was born in Valladolid and restored the regular discipline in the Spanish monasteries. Pope Benedict XIV placed him in the role of the saints. At Aquino, St. Clinius Confessor, and in other places many other holy martyrs, confessors, and virgins. Thanks be to God. <laughs> 